and welcome to week two of Burned Out. Uh, I pray that you were with us last week, that you caught week one as we launched this series and we talked about uh, the physical side of, of burnout. Uh, if you missed that message, uh, uh, if you want to catch it, you can find it on our YouTube pages uh, at 922 Ministries. You can find the version from the St. Peter campus or our core campus as well, uh, where we talked about what it looks like to be physically resilient uh, and some of the things that God would have us maybe consider and think about as the Creator knew that the created had, has limits, that you and I have limits. So what things need to be non-negotiable in our life so that we don't head down the path of being burned out? Which is why I wanted to go back to that part of week one for those of you who weren't here, but also as a refresher for those of you who were. Uh, the working definition that we had for the path to burnout. What three things uh, take place will, will happen along the way to the end of being burned out? Uh, so the path to burnout were these three words. If you weren't with us, uh, th this might be new to you. If you were with us, let's see how well you remember them. Uh, the path to burnout is compromise, compensate, and crash. Uh, the path to burnout begins with compromising. Like there's something that is important to you, but something else that matters to you or gets your attention, and, it, and you're willing to compromise a good thing for that thing that begins to lead you down the path to burnout. It might be work-related, it might be relationally related, it, it might be a, a compromise in your spiritual life, which we're going to talk about today. It might be a compromise in your physical life, like working out or something else, because something else is more important, you make that negotiable compromise. And compromising will lead you to compensating. You'll do something, you'll use something, you'll, you'll fi find, try and find a way to, to compensate for the compromise in your life. Like when you cross the line and compromise and you work more hours to make more money and it affects your marriage and your relationship with your, your spouse, you might buy more gifts. Or if you get in trouble, you might send flowers to the office. You're compensating, right? Because you know that you've compromised something. And eventually, if you keep compromising and you compensate and you, and you compensate and you compensate, you'll eventually hit the end where you crash. You burn out. And usually crashing isn't something you, you see coming. It simply happens when you've pushed too far, the limits have been extended so far, the rubber band breaks and snaps, and you burn out. And here's the thing that I believe about that definition. It applies to all the different areas, physical, spiritual, as you see the legs of the stool, emotional and relational, we'll talk about over the next few weeks. And like a stool, the, the stool... Uh, being something reliable that's sturdy and is well-grounded requires all four legs to be, to be in place, uh, to not be affected. And, and there's interdependence on them. And perhaps above all of the topics when it comes to burnout, today's topic, how, how spiritual plays into and is so vital and important for the other three areas to remain strong and on the ground. And I would tell you that when it comes to the spiritual leg of the stool, when it comes to the path of burnout that we might face in our life physically, emotionally, relationally, the comp compromising happens based on one big thing. And, and I want to address this today in our sermon because I think if we understand what areas we compromise in when it comes to our spiritual well-being and our spiritual life, uh, we can offset it with God's help and guidance, which we're going to dig into today. And most compromising, from a spiritual perspective, maybe even a life perspective in the other areas, compromise is a lot of times connected to the lies. 
the lies that we believe. Uh, the devil's the father of lies. He loves to use lies, weave lies, uh, have you believe lies in order to get you to compromise. Perhaps one of the greatest resources I've ever found about the lies uh, and how they affect us and cause us to compromise is this book. I don't know if any of you have ever read it, but it's by Dr. Chris Thurman, The Lies We Believe. He talks about self-lies and worldly lies. There's marital lies, there's distortion lies, there's religion lies. Uh, he, he, he understands in this principle that's in play that the lies we believe will affect us and cause us to compromise. So here's a, a phrase that might be valuable to you when we talk about our spiritual lives and burnout and why we need to, to stop it in its tracks at the point of compromising. You see, a lie believed as truth will affect you as truth. A lie believed as truth, if you believe a lie, it will affect you as if it is a truth. And I believe there are three lies in this area, specifically today, when it comes to our spiritual lives, our spiritual resiliency, that maybe more than any other lies lead us down the path to burnout, cause us to compromise more than any others. If you're taking notes, I left you some open spaces for it, uh, but I want you to write these down. Here, here are three lies that, that I believe lead to compromise in a lot of people's lives, and eventually the crash if left unaddressed. The first lie is this, I must be perfect. This idea that, that I must be perfect. I must be a perfect parent, which means I have to do X, Y, and Z and everything under the sun so that my kids can end up being everything that they, they need to be and I want them to be. I'll compromise. I must be a perfect parent. I must be a, a perfect spouse. I must be a perfect worker. I must be a perfect student. I, I must be the perfect teammate. I must be the perfect friend. Like Some people fall prey to that lie, I must be perfect. Well, at least I know I do. Or how about lie number two, if that one doesn't necessarily resonate with you? I need everyone's approval. I need everyone's approval. Like, just think about how powerful that lie is and how much compromise it can lead to. Like, for those of you who are dating, like, to gain the approval of that boy or that girl, what are you willing to compromise? What have you compromised spiritually? Or how about at work? Like, let's just be honest. To get everyone's approval at work, to get your boss's approval at work, what, what have you compromised? What value maybe have you set aside? I must have everyone's approval as a powerful force. It's a lie. And when it's believed as truth, it will lead you down the path to burnout and compromise. Here's one more. My value, my worth, is determined by my performance. My value is determined by my performance. Like there are some of you who are in here who believe that lie. Sadly, sometimes you believe that lie because other people in your life believe that lie. Like some of you have parents who've made it very clear to you that your worth and value is determined by your grades on your report card, 100%, the be-all and the end-all, and that's it. And so you compromise. 
For some of you, it's work. Like you believe your value is determined by your performance. The money that you make is what determines your value to your spouse and your kids. And so you will burn it at both ends. You will take on second jobs. You will do anything and everything to please them. And you can see the power when it's attached to your performance of how these lies cause so much compromise. And I believe the root issue is actually a spiritual issue. Like you can see how some of those are in the physical leg of the stool. Like you'll, you'll extend your calendar, you'll do things. But underlying it is a spiritual issue. That involves your identity. Like your identity is wrapped up in people pleasing. Your identity is wrapped up in your performance. Your, your identity is all about being perfect. And that leg of the stool, the spiritual one, if that's the case, if you believe those lies, is in danger of not being on solid ground. Like if your identity is found in any of those things, if they resonated with you today, I'm glad you're here. I want you to have a great 2023, but more of all, God wants you and your identity to be grounded and solid so that you can thrive in a world that's really hard. And we need to get this leg of the stool right because if this one is off, the rest will crumble and fall apart. I guarantee it. And so today, I want to work with you with this idea that our identity in those three lies that so affect us can be summed up maybe with one word, doing. Like my values is determined by my performance, which is driven by more doing, right? My doing. Perfectionism is doing. Checking boxes, everything being right, getting it perfect. My identity is, is found in doing sometimes, uh, and so I do to gain approval of others. So I want you to think about that I want you to think about doing and all that it is and how it is tied together in identity and how it affects us spiritually and the impact it has if we believe those lies. Now, here's the truth I want you to work with today and understand. I need to say it up front. Being busy, doing in and of itself is not wrong. It's not wrong. Like part of who we are, how God designed us to be, the identity that we have God has attached it relationally to others. So doing to bless the life of my spouse, doing to bless the life of my, my children, doing to be a blessing to others, using my gifts at work, in and of itself is not wrong. I need to make that clear. But it cannot be our identity. When my relationships here on earth become my identity and doing and what I do is driven by that, I'm in danger spiritually. If my doing, my performance, is, I t is what makes my identity, and it has nothing to do with God, it's about job, it's about people, I'm in danger of it becoming my identity, which makes it a spiritual issue. If perfectionism is a lie that I believe, I, I'm endangering my, my spiritual life because I believe everything is about me and what I do. And when I don't do, when I fall short, I will crumble and fall. Being busy is not wrong. Doing is not bad, but it cannot be our identity. And there are some examples of in the Bible where, where Jesus gives us a glimpse 
of this reality and the impact it has on people. Perhaps one of the most famous areas of the Bible where this is found, that being busy isn't wrong, but it can't be our identity, is found in Luke chapter 10. For some of you, this is a familiar section of Scripture. For others, it's not. But in order for us to have our our stool, the, the four legs, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, on solid ground for that spiritual that is so important to all the other ones. I, I want to take you to this section of Scripture. If you've seen it and know it before, great. If it's not familiar to you, great. Uh, all of us can learn from it today. Uh, some important things that I believe God wants us to take away in our spiritual life so that we don't compromise and burn out. Jesus, uh, in this section of Scripture, as Luke records it, is visiting... Some people that we would call maybe some of his closest friends here on earth, people who loved him and cared about him and were a blessing to him. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, normal in Jesus' life, his ministry took him from place to place. Uh, At this point, they were near the city of Jerusalem. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, before we go on, the Bible has... Uh, And the Gospels contain a few stories uh, and reminders of Jesus and his interaction with Mary and Martha. He spent time at their house. Probably when he went to Jerusalem, it was the place that he stayed at, the place that he found peace and rest at. When he was in Jerusalem for big events, maybe he went to Bethany, which was just outside of town, as a place to get away from the crowds, to, to sleep at night, to do some of the things we talked about last week. And maybe this was the first encounter Jesus had with them. He came into contact with them. Martha opened her doors to him and wanted to invite him into her house. And like I said before, doing is not wrong. Nowhere in this section does Jesus identify as what Martha was doing was wrong or sinful in and of itself. Like the gift of hospitality is a Christian gift, one that God calls a fruit of the Spirit. And and Martha was being hospitable and welcoming Jesus, her Savior, to her home. He wanted him to feel loved and be taken care of. She was probably making a very good meal for Jesus. She probably had spent a whole lot of time cleaning the house. Didn't have a vacuum back in the day. I don't know how they cleaned houses in 2,000 years ago, Israel, but she probably swept it up really nice, dusted all the cobwebs, made sure Jesus had an amazing place to sleep in in her home. And, And all of that started to build and build and build. All the doing that Martha was carrying out caused her to look around and she saw her sister who was doing nothing but one thing sitting at Jesus' feet. And in Martha's mind, she was not doing what needed to be done. So she goes to Jesus, distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, doing, people-pleasing, valued a term of high performance, and she came to Jesus and asked, Lord, Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Tell her to do more. (laughs) And I think there's a lot that we can learn in that for our spiritual lives, the spiritual leg of the stool, spiritual resiliency. Like maybe, maybe Martha's strengths if she was to take the test, would be achiever and responsibility, and she was checking the boxes. She wanted everything to be perfect, check. She wanted uh, Jesus' approval, check. She wanted to make sure that uh, everything that she had done, her performance, was right on point. Maybe she thought her value was determined by that, check. Tell her to help me, do. Because she's not doing anything. 
And here's what I think we can learn in this moment from Martha. If you're filling in blanks, here they are. More doing. Here's the danger. Again, I, I don't think Jesus didn't like what she was doing. He didn't say it was necessarily sinful. But I think it allows us to see something. More doing oftentimes means less Jesus. More doing and less Jesus. Sadly, oftentimes, almost all the time, will lead to spiritual burnout. Like if you compromise enough, you begin to compensate enough, you can head down to the road of the crash. Like more doing caused Martha to have less Jesus, caused her to to be frustrated with her sister, to call her out, to point the finger. More doing because she had less Jesus in that moment. More of that, more often of that, repeated times of that, spiritual burnout. I don't think there's any two ways around that. Like, I don't know if Martha believed those lies, but I think almost everybody at some point falls prey to those lies. Like, my values determined by my performance to the people closest to me, the people I want to impress, and, and at the top of the list sometimes to God. And how overwhelming that can be when we don't do it right or perfectly, the guilt, the burden that that carries. Or maybe just apply this in reality to your life, maybe in some simple ways. Like in your lives, where have you compromised to please people? To Where have you compromised because your values determined by your performance? Has it led to more hours at work? To get the approval of your kids? Has it led to more hours of, of doing and, and going? And, and, and your whole schedule, Monday through Saturday, is jam-packed full. And you're so overwhelmed, we, we've, we're overperforming, that on Sunday, we buy into the, the lies, we've compromised, and And what do we do? More doing causes us sometimes to say, I just need a day. Today's my only day. So no Jesus today. Can you see how easy it is to to lead down the path of compromise and less Jesus when doing is in play? Or like when the pastor stands up and says, you'll be spiritually blessed, the Bible says, if you do these things, but you're doing so many other things that you don't have time to do those things, your life will be less fruitful. Or maybe you're like me. Like, and this is not a thing that you should be proud of your pastor for. Like, I love doing. I love, I'm an achiever. I think I'm a whole lot like Martha, responsibility. Uh, I, I want to get stuff done. I, I feel bad when I don't get stuff done. So the first thing that I do when I sit down at my desk is open my computer and open my email and start getting stuff done. Like, I'll check the box. I'll do the devotion. But I don't think it's being driven with the right motivation. And Jesus knew that. He saw that, the danger for Martha in that. And so he said this to Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Like a lot of doing leads to a lot of things being on your mind, but only a few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Like Jesus makes the list of non-negotiables when it comes to our life, spiritually speaking, very simple. One. 
the one that Mary chose, was the better one. And you know why what Mary chose was better? It, it had lasting results. It provided spiritual fruit. It was about her real identity, and it will not be taken away from her. Like, Mary has chosen what is better, Jesus said. Jesus understood this spiritual truth that plays into the spiritual leg of the stool that, that helps us understand better what, what we can't do, what we can't compromise because of where it might lead us. Simply put, if you want to fill in your blanks to the similar equation we had before, when you have more do and less Jesus, you have potential for spiritual burnout. When you have more Jesus, you're spiritually blessed. Like Jesus makes no bones about it. He says, it is the non-negotiable in your life. It's the one thing needed in your life. It's the, the thing that will last for eternal life. There is one thing that is needed. If you want to address burning out, if you want to address the issues of compromise in your heart, the solution is found in Jesus. More Jesus. And here's why I pray that in 2023, for each and every one of you, you take Jesus' words to heart. Because Jesus wants for you to be spiritually blessed. Like the father of lies doesn't have to work too hard in some of those worldly lies, those self-lies, that I need other people's approval, that, that my value is determined by my performance. The world is full of that message. It resonates with our head. It, it drives our behavior. In order to change that behavior, to stop the compromising, more Jesus equals spiritually blessed. But let me make it practical for you. When we don't have more Jesus... When we have more doing the things of the world, when we have more doing because our identity is off and our identity is not based on Jesus, here's where we'll end up. Like Jesus got this. He taught this. He preached this. The Sermon on the Mount ends with this. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, the one thing needed. Like Jesus does say, do this. It's the one thing needed. It's the, the, the one thing that lasts. If we don't hear his words and put them into practice, that person is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Like, I've lived in Wisconsin for many years of my life. I've lived in the Midwest all of my life. It wasn't until this last November that I really understood, I think, the visual that Jesus was painting for his disciples, painting in the Sermon on the Mount, until I was in Florida for a conference and Hurricane Nicole was coming toward the East Coast. Any of you ever lived in Florida, lived through a hurricane, stayed in your house? Anyone ever been in that? You guys just love Wisconsin. I got two hands. I, they're my Florida people. Amen. Like, you've done this. You know this. You, hit, you, you hear me. Uh, and let me just be clear. Nicole was like one of the most timid hurricanes ever to hit Florida in the last 20 years. Like, it didn't really have much of anything to it. It was barely Hurricane uh, Category 1. It was nothing like Ian, which was before it. Like, but I'm there in Florida. I'm in a high-rise on the beach. We're about nine floors up. I had a beautiful balcony sliding door in this condo. We're looking at golf course, palm trees everywhere. We landed on Monday, and all of a sudden, the news started to break. The storm is coming. By Tuesday night, they were telling everyone who was uh, from out of state, you had to evacuate your buildings. You could not stay there. The winds were rising each and every day. The palm trees were sideways a little bit back and forth. The ocean waves were rising up and, and coming further in. The golf course was getting hit. 
And I had to go to bed that night, evacuate the island at 3 o'clock the next morning. You know how hard it is to sleep when you know you have to get up at 3 a.m.? It's next to impossible to fall asleep when you have to get up at 3 a.m. and 35 mile an hour, not gusts, but winds are beating on the door of your nine floors up condo on the beach. And I saw the aftermath even of that small hurricane of the houses on the beach. They crashed. God does not want you and I to spiritually burn out crash. And when more doing, because of the lies we believe becoming our identity, than the, the truths of God's word and, and listening to them and following through, that's where we end up, Jesus says. And he doesn't want that for you and me. He didn't want that for Martha. So what would Jesus have us know and apply spiritually in this year to not compromise, to, to not burn out, but to be blessed? Well, I think there's an amazing passage that talks about the importance of spiritual rest in Jesus' own words to give the solution, the cure to spiritual burnout. Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. Like, come to me. Don't be running to other people and their approval to find your identity. Come to me when you're weary and burdened. Because I have given you a new identity. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened by the world's pulling at your heart to, to convince you that your value is determined by your performance, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and, and I'll give you spiritual rest for that because I'll point you in the direction of that, the cross, and remind you of that, the empty tomb, and that your identity is, is found and determined by my perfect life. What I did, not anything that you have to do. Or how about you must be perfect? Like if you buy that lie, when you fail spiritually, it can drive you into a deep hole and burnout because the guilt and the shame are so real. But Jesus said, come to me when you're weary and burdened with the shame and guilt, and I'll give you rest because I was perfect. Because you can't be. And I died so that you wouldn't. And all that I did is yours. I'm gentle and humble in heart. And when you come to me, you'll find rest. Not the physical, but the more important, the one thing needed, spiritual, for your souls. See, here's the big takeaway that I need you to hear. I, I think it's why Jesus looked Martha in the face and said, Martha, Martha, you're distracted by so many things. Only one thing is needed. Here's the answer, the takeaway I pray that you'll apply to your life. If you want that leg of the stool to remain strong, remember this is where you find rest. Remember this is where you find the rest that you need, spiritually speaking, in the gospel. In the gospel. Like the law of God serves an amazing purpose. It shows us our sin and our need for a Savior, but the, but the gospel shows us Jesus. Like if you're performance-driven, it can be such a heavy burden. Run to the gospel where Jesus' perfect life gives you the only identity that matters. 
makes you perfect in the eyes of God. The gospel gives you rest. When you're facing struggles and challenges, when the storms of life blow, when the other legs of the stool are under attack, like emotionally, if you're going through things, the gospel reminds you of God and his promises, his love and his presence, his peace that you need so often when the storms of life are real. The storms aren't going to go away. Hurricanes aren't going to stop happening. Your life is not going to be devoid of, of challenges or struggles. So when we get to the emotional piece, you have to have this piece, the spiritual strong and the spiritual leg of the stool is on solid ground when Jesus is front and center and the gospel is in focus. So can I convince you that if you're looking at your life and and you want to face this year ahead and you don't want to crash at the end, if those lies you believe or are prone to believing are real in your heart and you may be compromised in your life, maybe the first thing to address is making the gospel and time with Jesus non-negotiable. Like maybe begin each day just by gazing for a few minutes at a favorite section of scripture, the same one over and over again, that tells you about the amazing beauty, the love, and good news of being connected to Jesus Christ in the gospel. Like read Ephesians 1, the last part that, where Paul just overflows in the beauty of all that Jesus has done and the redemptive work of Christ. Maybe it's you read the Christmas story and the Easter story every day, like the gospel gives you rest. That is your identity. When, when doing is endangering your relationship with God, look at the things Jesus did, the good news of the gospel, and what it means for you and for me. The gospel, my friends, will give you rest. If you're willing to do one thing this year and one thing only, if you're willing to work on one thing that will make a difference in facing compromise, compensating, and crashing, it is the gospel. It is the gospel. It is Jesus Christ, your Savior, who lived, died, and rose again for you. That's it. That's the list. Mary chose one thing needed, and it will not be taken away from her Friends, that will not be taken away from you either. Don't negotiate your time with Jesus. Find passages in the word that give you comfort and encouragement that are filled with the gospel. That's why I put this one on the screen. It's mine. I love it. It doesn't have to be yours. But look at the promises of God in this passage. God is with you. He's mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. When the storms are blowing, when the waves are rising, when, when life is hard, don't buy into the lies. Believe the truth. He'll quiet you with his love. The gospel, the good news. He'll rejoice over you with singing. Like your identity is not determined by your performance. It's been determined by the Lord of heaven who sent his son and his son who, who lived, died, and rose again for you. If you begin to see yourself compromising spiritually because other people's approval is something that you value, remember what God says about you. You are mine. I bought you at a price. Don't live your life for the audience of everyone else. Live your life for the audience of one. You are valued by the Lord of heaven. And you are perfect because of Jesus Christ. Like, what gospel passages can you write on your heart? Like, I tattooed mine on my body. You don't have to do that. Pick one, pick two, pick three, no more than five passages you want to learn that are full of the gospel that can help you not negotiate the spiritual rest God longs for you to have to help keep the other legs of the stool strong. Which leads me to the last point in our next step before I invite the band back up to sing our last song. Schedule your rest, your spiritual rest. Like, don't negotiate your schedule, your Jesus time. 
because it will bring more Jesus spiritually blessed. And I think Martha did that after that day in her house. Like, read John chapter 11 this week. It's a beautiful chapter. It'll get, it's full of gospel rest and gospel hope. Martha and Mary had lost their brother Lazarus. Jesus had not gotten there before he died, and he was delayed in getting there by his own choosing. But then Jesus finally showed up, and, and you know what Martha did? You know who was the first one out there to greet him? Martha left her home. She left behind her guests who would have been weeping there, maybe eating food there, in need of Kleenexes there. Martha ran to Jesus and met him before he got to her home. Like, I think Martha got it. She knew it. She was unwilling to negotiate it. She knew that Jesus, the gospel, was the only place to find rest in the face of that storm. And after Jesus met her, she asked where he was. He talked about being the resurrection and the life. Jesus asked her, do you believe this? She said, yes, I believe that you are the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that my brother will rise. Like, that's the gospel. She knew only one thing was needed. That even in the face of that storm, she stood strong and did not crash. I have no doubt that she must have scheduled her rest. Because she knew the gospel gives rest. And that I pray, my friends, is what you and I do this year to avoid spiritual burnout, to bless all the legs of the stool. Because in Jesus, we have true rest for our souls. Let's pray for that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for grace and that our identity is found in you, not in what we do. That we are perfect because you are perfect that we don't need the approval of anyone else. The only approval that matters is, is yours, and it's ours because of Jesus, the gospel. Lord, the gospel. We need more of the gospel and more Jesus in our life, and we'll be spiritually blessed. Lord, we're trapped sometimes into thinking more doing is better. It's not wrong. Help us, Lord, though, not negotiate the one thing that is better, the one thing that's needed. Time with you. So help us, Lord, and bless us in our life to schedule our rest daily because we know in the gospel we find it.